We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man Andres is sick, but he's in the building. He wouldn't miss this last show of the year. And we're joined by fellow Reverse Rat Pack member, AJ Springer. AJ is in the house, too. Flew out to Vegas, so, uh, you know, we had to get him on the show. We're kind of all scattered everywhere now, but whenever someone's in town, it's dope to have him on. AJ, thanks for joining us, my man. Ah, thanks for having me. And Dre, are you alive still? Uh, kind of. <laughs> That's all right. I'm just surviving. <laughs> Dre's been hit with a, a bout of the plague. 
So uh, he's just don't coming. Me, man, don't, don't have these people out here making rumors <laughs> that I'm on AIDS or some shit. So <laughs> straight up, I have food poisoning um, two days before Christmas, and I've been down for the count through Christmas, and I'm just eating for the first time in like almost 72 hours. The question is, did brunch betray you? Nah, man, it was it was a steak sandwich from Capriati's. I know what it was. <laughs> like I, know, I know the culprit, and I had a steak sandwich. I was cleaning up the house, wrapping Christmas presents. I woke up the next morning, and I was donezo. <laughs> oh, Capriati's. Yeah, that's all bad. Um, by the way, like at the news station, we've reported several of those. When I was at 13, Capriati's was always on Dirty Dining. For real? Yeah, wow. yeah, word. Oh. There's Man, like there's four, yeah, there's four locations that are like habitual line steppers. Ooh. Wait, are they at the Red Rock? Uh, I don't remember the Red Rock. There's one uh, kind of by your crib by Boca Park. That's always on there. There's one in Henderson, like by Sunset Station. Or no, by uh, like that movie theaters. It's on Sunset and Sunset over there. That shit's always on there. Also, <laughs> don't eat at the Olive Garden on Sunset Station. That shit's horrible, too. All right, that was a little inside the topic. Vegas have no idea what we're talking about. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, if they come in town, they know. Beware. Um, so, but we wanted to kick the show off talking about Twitter. And Dre, you took a Twitter hiatus for the past couple of days, being sick. Came back, and you were thrown right back into the bullshit. It didn't take long at all. Nah, man, this. Twitter is a, a cesspool of facades and extremes. And, and I, fortunately, and we'll talk about it because I watched Bird Box. And fortunately, I didn't get caught up in it. And then afterwards, I was like, yo, like, why are they talking about this movie so much? It's either really bad or really good. I just, I can't stand Twitter, man. Like, every day that passes, I, I want to be on it less and less. It's just like negativity, facades, and extremes of people just saying shit that doesn't make any sense just to be heard. Twitter's turning into Facebook. Uh, yeah. <laughs> AJ, did you see Bird Box yet? I watched, man, but I, you know, uh, unfortunately, unlike Dre, like, I got caught up in the hype and I was expecting, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. Um, people were acting like this was, like, the greatest movie man, of 2018, and it was just super scary, and my timeline was bananas. Uh, but I was expecting like a real live like horror flick, and that was not what I got. Yeah, when I watched it, I felt the same thing. I was like, "Cool, it's a suspense movie, not a horror movie." So they kind of built me up for the wrong thing. And then even going through it, I just felt like everything was just left open ended. Nothing really was explained. It was just you know, okay, there's oh, spoiler alert, people! If you didn't watch it, too damn bad. It's been on the timeline forever. Get someone's Netflix password and watch it. But um. Yeah, I felt like it was just like, oh, there's this monster. You can't look at him. Next thing you know, we're going to play out this scene. Five years later, they're still fighting this monster. Where did it come from? Who knows? Like, there was just so much unexplained. And I was just waiting for a big payoff at the end. And then it just ended. And I was like, it was what the like fuck it, was this? It was M. Night Shyamalan, basically. It was, there was no payoff. Yeah. Not, not the good M. Night Shyamalan. Either. Yeah. See, I disagree with both of y'all. I don't know what y'all want. Y'all want explanations. They don't need to be explanations in horror movies. I think, I think the, the problem was is that the movie was too hyped on yeah. social media to begin with. So you went in expecting like the greatest thing ever. Like I went into it relatively blind. I didn't read any reviews, and that's how I started doing everything. And so I watched it, and I seen A Quiet Place, and it reminded me a little bit of that and The Happening. But 
I'm perfectly fine with not knowing where this shit came from because I hate an American horror that we have to explain everything to people and spell it out. Like, I'm a fan of Japanese horror, so they don't explain why these ghosts are evil. They're just evil. But once Americans get their hands on them, they have backstories, they have feelings. Like, I don't want murderers with feelings. I don't want people with emotions. Like, I want my horror to be just that. I, I think the scariest thing, like, I don't know if y'all seen 8mm, but um, 8mm was about a murderer, and Nick Cage, who's a, like an awful actor half the time, but Nick Cage is trying to find out why he's a killer, and the killer's basically like, because I feel like killing. And that's like the entire explanation. And I was like, that's dope. Because that's all I need sometimes. Some things just need to be left unexplained. And when you over-explain them, it makes the movie entirely too long. And then it dilutes what's going on. And then at the end, I mean, I don't want to spoil the movie. So, yeah, they, they, I mean, there's no, it's like kind of like The Walking Dead in a sense. Like, this thing's not going away. You can't cure it. But, you know, some pe- a couple people got away. I'm cool with that. The movie was fine. It wasn't like the cinematic experience and it wasn't trash because I saw the backlash after. I saw all these people talking about how trash it was. It wasn't trash. It just wasn't great. It was was a good movie. It was what it was. I I don't agree. Like it was it wasn't a horrible movie by any sense. But I just I I left it feeling unfulfilled. But you're you're not a horror movie guy. I'm not. I'm not. So so I perfectly expect you to be like, I'm fine. Like that's what it was, but that's cool. But I just think the bigger issue here is how social media tends to hype things up, gets our expectations way up, and the only place we can go is down. And when, yeah, when- I expectations. I yeah. realized, but you know what? Before I, when I turned it on and saw that it was two hours instead of the usual horror movie, ninety minutes, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's what social media does, and I, I just can't. And we can move on to the next thing that I'm already turned... I'm not even turned off about the film, but I'm turned off about the conversation. It's the Us trailer. Yeah. Come on, people. Why do we got to dissect everything? A full breakdown of <laughs> a 90-second trailer. Like, here's my question. What do you want? Like, do you, do you really want to figure out this movie three months before it comes out? I think they do. And, <laughs> then, if you, and then if you do, what do you get? Because I guarantee you in three days, I forgot all your tweets already. Uh, they get a cookie for for learning exactly what the subplot in the twist is, and guess what? But, They're all going to be wrong. But nobody learned anything because Jordan Peele literally said this movie is about us being our own worst enemy. Yeah, it's not about race. It's not. I just wanted to cast black people. You know what? I like that. That was a refreshing take by him. He was like, "No, every movie with black people in it doesn't have to be about race. Sometimes it's cool to just cast black people. Like if I cast a." A full cast of white people, you're not gonna just immediately jump to the plight of the white person. Like it, it's just, you know what? The family happens to be black. Outside of that, it's a normal ass horror film. Yeah, they're identifiably black too, which was which was dope though. Without being like super over the top. No, they're a real black family. Like you, you see a dad who went to HBCU. You know, a mom like they're they're not poor. They're just probably getting some money. Old dude got a boat in the trailer. They're moving on up. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to be better in life. They're just a normal-ass black family. And that's what I love about that. But outside of that, I didn't need to dissect it more. People are going into, like, the meaning of the mask and the right. boy's mouth being burned shut. It, it's just way too much. I, literally, I saw a thread of 25 tweets. Yeah, people were doing the most. Quintessential black moment in the trailer where mom is like, go put your shoes on. <laughs> yep. 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 
because you can't leave the house without the damn shoes on. If something's going popping, you got to put your shoes on. But yeah, I guess I guess that's that was my issue. Like I, you know, that was the day I was sick. So I saw the trailer had released. I, I saw Jordan Peele's tweet, and I watched the trailer, and then I was like, oh, let me just go on Twitter real quick, and I immediately just closed it. I was like, what the fuck? Like it was just it was just too much dissecting and then it was like well what does i got five on it have to do with the movie and if you flip the the picture upside down, i'm just like yo can't you enjoy anything like i hate when people try to figure things out and you got a 90 second trailer and you're really trying to figure out this entire movie it can be fun for a little while but it just becomes too much and then it becomes this big hype train and if the movie ends up being really good but not perfect people are gonna shit on it yeah i can't dog i can't stand twitter sometimes like Social media is getting a little bit too ridiculous with the hype. But that's how it is nowadays. Like, if jo- Peel is now at this level, and it's horrible after, like, one movie, it's, if it's not amazing, it's shit. And he fell off. He, he's not going to get the M. Night Shyamalan. You could have, you know, The Sixth Sense, and then you can have a couple shitty movies, and we'll wait to get Unbreakable. Or we'll wait a decade to get uh, whatever the last joint was, which was great, uh, with the multiple personalities, split, split, like yeah. where he's not going to get that treatment. He's not going to get eight movies to fail in between. Mm, he might. I mean, this is only his second movie. Like, yeah, but I mean, I expect it to be good. But what if he what? has a dud? Twitter's going to rip point. that shit that's, to shreds. Like, that's not the point. The point is, is that that shit is going to sell out the day it hits theaters. Yeah. That's all. That's all the movie theaters care about. It's the reason why Transformers keeps make, getting made. It's a trash, <laughs> trash series. But as long as it keeps bringing people to the theater, they'll keep making them. So until you get like, too big, and then they stop going to steal a line from my boy, the new Dan O'Brien, fickle. People will turn on you and stop going. Yeah, I mean, my bigger concern, and I mentioned it in our group there, is that Jordan Peele becomes not by, by his own merit, but he becomes the next Shyamalan where people start going, well, "What's the twist?" And you wait the entire movie for a twist, and if there is no twist, you're pissed off. Like me, I hate when movies are marketed with a twist because then it's like, well, "What the fuck am I watching it for?" Because all I'm doing is waiting for the end of the movie to see what the twist was, and that's what Shyamalan became. Shyamalan became one big twist. All of his movies, you're like, "All right, cool. What's the twist?" Every movie. Like, Peel, he could make a movie, but every movie doesn't have to market a twist, nor does it have to have a twist. A good movie could just be a good movie. And and it seems like the way people are dissecting this, they're expecting, like, white God to come down and destroy the Earth. It's some wild shit that it ain't, probably ain't going to happen, but that's that's I don't want his, him to be reduced to that. Because Get Out threw a lot of people, and I yeah. hope that people aren't looking at us to be the exact same way with some stellar twist, and if it doesn't happen, people are going to be pissed off. No, Us seems to be a pretty straightforward movie. Essentially, it's like, we're going to kill them, or they're going to kill us. And and that's going to be the movie. I feel okay with that. Like, that's the basis of some of the best horror movies, right? That is horror, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. I got to get them before they get me. Some movies don't need more than that. Sometimes that's okay. Um, that's But that's taking over Twitter. I... I've completely blocked out those people on Twitter because people are still talking about that. The other thing that happened earlier in the week before uh, both of those took over the timeline, Dre, you must have just gotten sick, I think, was this Chris Rock thing. Well, Chris Rock. Okay, all right, all right. Can we, can we first start with how, how this clip is like six years old? Right. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why are we keep who, doing this? Who dug this up? <laughs> this is the bait of your existence. 
it's it's so like the 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 clip isn't something that just happened. Like it was six years ago, and it just got found today. The clip existed. It was widespread six years ago, and now people are pissed off. You should have been pissed off back then. I didn't like it back then. Right. But now to watch people just blow up over it's like come, like come on. I, y'all talk about it. I can't. I mean, it's it's from 2011 HBO clip. Uh, Louis C.K., who now we know a lot more about, and right. Ricky Gervais. Um, so maybe now it's it's more of a thing because we know about Louis C.K. We we've gone through all these different movements and, for better or worse, social media activism took a huge turn. I, I think last year we talked about it on our um, year end episode, and it just carried through this year. But now people have to apologize for everything. The other day I saw LeBron have to apologize for rapping Jewish money or some stupid shit. It was like a 21 Savage song. And he said, I'm trying to get this Jewish money. And people took offense. He had to apologize. It was like I was just listening to Ron Brown talk about A-Rap money. Like a couple years ago. Like how far back do you have to go and apologize? Is Eddie Murphy now not allowed to do anything again in his career? Because those stand-ups were just ridiculously homophobic. Well, not until he gets... Uh, if somebody gives him the job to host the Oscars, he will get booted because of Delirious to Raw. <laughs> but we all know Delirious to Raw. Same do thing we? here. It's, but, but do we? That's the question. Because shit, nah, a lot of people... To an entire new... A whole new audience. Exactly. Just like the Loonies have just intro- been introduced to an audience because of the Us trailer... People will be like, well, what's wrong, Delirious? And be aghast when they see this comedy. That's ridiculous. I mean, there was a, quite a few people who had no clue what I Got Five on it was. Or who sung it. I think Billboard did a whole article. Yeah, who were the loonies? That was wild. <laughs> I was like, what? Did you not grow up with this song? How do you just not hear this around the way? A lot of kids didn't. And I had, to, I had to come to terms with that. Keith Murphy used to write for Vibe, posted on my Twitter. He was like, think about it. There are just a lot of people who just, they don't even know who the Loonies are. Because honestly, even though I owned Operation Stack Ole and the Yuck Mouth solo albums and shit like that, <laughs> I got five on it and the remix were, were like really all they had. Yeah. So it's a big hit. So kids, young people under 20 definitely don't have a clue. They may have heard the song, but they're like, mm, who the Loonies? They don't even know who, like, don't ask them who Club Nouveau is. But uh, the whole point is, I mean, I guess you have to introduce them to a new audience. So to go back into your, the conversation about this whole Chris Rock thing, things do get dug up and people get offended today like things happen today when they happened 6, 7, 8, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And that's kind of weird to me. But that being said, Chris Rock allowing Louis C.K. to say it is in front of him. is wild. Yeah, do that shit off camera. That I mean, if that's your if that's your play, because I know a lot of black folks that allow white people to do that in front of them, and I and I tell them like, just don't do that shit around me. But do that shit off camera. I'm I'm not cool with it at all. Yeah, I just took it as Louis C.K. was a shock jock kind of comedian, you know. So I think Chris just thought nothing of it. He just thought like, oh, he always says wild shit. Um, not say that that's right or wrong. Like it's just weird that it gets brought up so. So late, because back then, CK was popping for doing wild shit like that. So times have changed. CK is on the canceled list now, though. That's the thing. Too. Yeah, yeah. So CK now is a CK that that's like R. Kelly on the canceled list now. Yeah, you don't get multiple passes these days. Nah, R. Kelly's a rap now. Um, Dre, I saw you tweet out the trailer. <sighs> 
Oh my I gotta God. revise my whole list from a couple weeks ago. That's not looking great. That didn't age well. I tried to tell you that, Kel. Our Kel <laughs> himself from had been excluded himself from the list. <laughs> well, listen, I was okay with saying, you know what, he fucked up. Um, but you know, I, let's separate the art from the artist. This, nah, tra- this trailer is not going to end well. Like this documentary <laughs> isn't going to end well. I mean, his life is not. I mean, look, man. I don't think we There's even no- need a documentary for this. Like, we need it because people do need to see it. But this is the crazy thing. Like, we've canceled so many people over the past five years that somehow R. Kelly still exists is beyond me. Like, there are still people that will cape for R. Kelly. It, it just blows my mind. Like, we'll cancel. Like, I think white people look at us like we're ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> I look at us ridiculous for this. Because <laughs> it's like, yo, we are, like, we out here just canceling left and right. Ah, oh, Louis K. Ah, oh, Bill Cosby. Ah, oh, oh. R. Kelly. Nah, man, that's the king of R&B. How fucking ridiculous do you look when you don't cancel a guy who is known for mentally and physically abusing underage girls? And, you know, I guess some people don't have daughters, but even if you do, if you have a sister or mother something, like, come on, man. You have to cancel this guy because all of us have grown up on his music in some way or another. So we should all feel a kind of way about Robert Sylvester Kelly. Fuck here's, that. here's the thing, though. I can I can buy, as unpopular as this might be, I can separate the art from the artist with a guy like Bill Cosby, who 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 did who had sex crimes but made a like family TV show right. versus R. Kelly, who was accused of sex crimes and has an entire catalog about sex. <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. The music age as well. You age ain't nothing but a number with him like peering over Aaliyah's shoulder. Like his career is a confession. It's a giant confession. <laughs> yeah. Just play that in court, like they're gonna do for six nine. Oh yeah, that it, it's not it's not going well for Robert Kelly. And to me, it was like it's kind of like the NFL stance on stuff. There's obviously domestic violence in the NFL, and if you do it, you get four games. If you get caught on camera hitting a woman, it's a wrap, right? Like it, it's automatically done. We've seen that with Ray Rice. We saw it with Kareem Hunt this year. It, it's a wrap. There's something about that footage that's just like polarizing. This documentary is that. Like, if there's the last straw to break the back, this is probably going to be it. Listen, in light of what we know, the music just does not age well. From age ain't nothing but a number, it seems like you're ready. Like, the music is really juvenile. And you and you find out later that R. Kelly has a thing for young girls. I mean, the titles don't, don't necessarily <laughs> depict the best images. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's been a... From R&B, like, uh, it, it hasn't been the greatest. It hasn't been, you know, in hindsight, those are poor choices for titles. <laughs> you know, 12 Play as an album doesn't sound that great either anymore. No. You know, that it's just it's just all bad all around for him. Um, that's, that's pretty much Twitter, though, man. We caught Dre up on Twitter. He's been sick. I figure he stayed off of it. We had to talk about Twitter a little bit. Um, before we go on, Dre, we know what you did for Christmas. Uh, you were sick. AJ, what'd you do for Christmas? Uh, it's just family time right now, man. I flew out to to spend some time with the family, which is like which I posted on uh, Instagram. I said, like, you know, family is the greatest gift that, that I could have. So, especially not living here anymore. No, I feel you. Um, I had like I was working on Christmas, came home. That was the laziest Christmas I've had. Uh, my kid stays in Kansas City with their moms this Christmas. She wanted to have one Christmas with them. So I obliged. I was like, cool, do your thing. They'll be out here for the wedding soon anyway. 
I was like, all right, cool. You can have this Christmas. And then I realized how boring it is to have a Christmas without kids. Right. I, I have no tree, no nothing. Uh, Elena's kids came through, but they're older. So we got them presents, but they weren't like tripping that we didn't have a tree. Um, and we hung out and that was fun. But still, it wasn't like, it wasn't that like little kid style wrapping, unwrapping presents, going nuts type of feel to it. So I can't wait to get back to that next year. I did school her son on some classic hip hop though. Um, when he told me that Juicy J stole Kodak Black's flow, I had to record scratch this whole shit and throw on like an hour, an hour, three, six mafia four. That's a sign that we're getting older. <laughs> Yo, I felt washed, washed, so old. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Trey, there, there's a whole different generation, Trey. That's why you can't stop writing about hip-hop. This, Clearly. <laughs> this generation needs old heads. Um, so that was my Christmas. The biggest thing, though, gift-giving. AJ might be out of this conversation. Dre, what did you get the wife for Christmas? It's always crazy. To, what, what do you get your significant other for Christmas that you don't get her every other day of the year? Um, see, I'm not like you. You buy your your, your fiance shoes like every week, which is wild. But um, it's a horrible habit. I don't even know how you call it a habit. Um, <laughs> buying myself shoes is a habit. Buying my wife some, no. See, I'm not um, a sneakerhead, so I just buy her a bunch of shoes. Yeah. So for me, I mean, you know, I went, I went, bought her some polo and Lacoste and stuff because she goes to law school. So I wanted to be fitted for law school. Got him some some kicks and. Um, a new diamond necklace and golf lessons and some other shit. But I always like take care of my wife. I take care of everybody but myself because I take care of myself like 364 days out the year. So when on that 365th day, I just spoil the hell out of everybody else. You got her like the I'm going to law school starter kit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, I spent like way too much money. Put it like that. Between <laughs> her and my daughter. Oh, my God. Spend way too much money. I love that you said this like three weeks ago when you were Amazon shopping and shit. You've been saying the same thing since Black Friday and just kept spending money. It just That's doesn't <laughs> stop because I, I feel like I'm going to be done on Black Friday and then I'll be like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And then, you know, my wife wanted golf lessons or I saw this Peppa, like my, my daughter's obsessed with Peppa Pig now. So I bought her a Peppa Pig house and it's got like all the stupid pigs in them and it makes noises. And <laughs> Like, she opened that, and then we started, like, well, first she opened a $6 stroller that my pops got her. It's six bucks, just to like, carry her little babies. Yo, and she was just like, that's it. It's like she took off with the stroller, pushed all the gifts aside, and left. I was like, and I was like yo, come back. So she didn't realize it was more gifts, so then she opened up Pe Peppa Pig and just lost all of her shit. And it was like, <laughs> I was laying on the couch sick, and I watched it, but it was, like, the most special thing, like, watching her lose it to stuff because like me growing up out my christmases after i turned like eight were just filled with disappointment because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's horrible like yeah but before, before that it was like there were a few good christmases that i remember it's like i always want the kids to have dope christmases and i recorded it so she'll get to watch it so if one day she's like daddy you didn't i'm like bullshit watch this video and she'll see that she got all this shit <laughs> i hate peppa pig as a cartoon by the way of all the kids' cartoons, I hate that probably the most. It's dumb. Yeah, those kids are lawless. Uh, AJ, no uh, gifts for a significant other? Did you buy no. Mom Duke something or anything? 
Nah, we, you know, we're not a big, um, we're not a big gift giving family anymore. This is more about kind of the experience and the quality time and like just coming together and fellowship and stuff. So, you know, the gift essentially with us is kind of the presence over presence. I like that. I like that wave. I haven't even uh, gotten gifts yet the way we do it every year. Cause when you have five kids, you gotta be smart about things around Christmas um, let alone planning a wedding. So every year we take all our money by gifts from Black Friday all the way through Christmas Eve because I'm a late shopper, I'm a procrastinator. Um, we spend all that money on the kids and then the Friday after we go out and buy each other gifts with our like check after that. So I have to buy a gift tomorrow. Uh, today's Friday, Thursday when we're recording this. So tomorrow I have to go out and buy Elena a gift. I'm trying to figure out exactly what to get her. Because um, everything just seems wedding related. She doesn't like want anything else. Like everything is just being poured into wedding planning. But one thing I do have to get her is a pair of constructs. I'm going to go to the Timberland store and buy a pair of Tims. So we can have matching Tims. And I could post like the ultimate New York. Like yo yeah. I love you. I love you ma. Dead ass. Picture on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's my goal. That that's exactly what I'm doing tomorrow. So I got I got one gift planned out already, and she'll lose it when she sees the Tim. She's been excited about these. Tim, well, damn. Tim's in a bottom grill. That's our goal for 2019. We keep it simple. I can't wait to see these photos. <laughs> You'll see it. She's gonna be running around the house like a maniac. She's gonna lose her shit. I'm gonna record it. I'll post it online. She's she's been so hype off of getting a pair of Tim's. She has no idea that it's coming. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be dope. Um, that's pretty much Christmas for me, though. What ruined my damn Christmas, outside of gifts, is the UFC and one John Bones Jones. Dre, I know you weren't too sad about this. You're like, hey, I get to ch- chill at home. I don't got to do shit. Well, yeah, but no, because... This whole thing is trash. And I guess this starts our combat sports talk. And there's a lot of people that were like, well, you know, it's not about John. It's about the money. Oh. Look, let's, let's be honest here. Like, John Jones it has never been, like, a really big pay-per-view draw, like, unless he's in a grudge match, with, whether it's Rashad Evans or Daniel Cormier. Aside from that, he's never been, like, this massive draw. It's, like, fictional. It's like the shit is made up. Meanwhile, Cyborg, who was in the co-main event, has proven she can draw on her own. Right. So I don't necessarily understand why John, who has betrayed you multiple times in the past, gets an opportunity to fight for a title that you must really want to take off of Cormier. Well, let's take it off of Cormier more than give it to John Jones. Like, why do you have to go through great lengths of uprooting an entire event, telling your fans that bought tickets on a holiday weekend to come to Vegas, to come to this fight? Fuck off. Right. I, I don't understand the logic behind any of this. And they can say whatever they want. They could have put Bones and Gus at the forum by themselves and maybe put like an undercard or two and sold them tickets for like $200 and filled up the forum and split-sided. They yeah. could have done that. You got to uproot the fighters who are in the middle of weight, weight cutting. You got to tell their families, their friends that are coming out to see them fight that you're not coming to Vegas, you're coming to L.A. Geographically speaking, people are like it's close, but it ain't really that close. It's still a hassle. It's not fun. It's so it's it's all bad. And I mean, let's like they say, well, it's it's microscopic. Look, the reality is the Vast Athletic Commission said 
this is this is uncommon. We want to investigate, but it's the holidays. We can't get a private investigation, like a special investigations team together to figure this out. So we can't license John. The UFC could have very well said, ah, we've been through this shit before. We've lost worse fights in main events. What we can do is just go ahead and push this fight to the ESPN Plus card or another pay-per-view and then just keep the card the way it is. But they had to go this route. And it, it, for, for, I don't understand what the short-term goal here is, is what, to get a, a, another 100,000 pay-per-views? I don't see what they're getting out of this. <clears throat> nothing nothing but bad press i mean this is a guy where i heard data white out of his mouth say would never headline another ufc event ever because yeah. of bullshit like this you say out of your mouth you know what's going to happen again you say this guy will never headline another main event fast forward a year and a half and the guy's not only main eventing, you're moving that main event on six days for him. It makes no sense. <clears throat> like, I mean, yeah. It's ridiculous. AJ, what, what's your take on this? It's wild. Essentially, here's the thing, man. It, it, in the past, you would have found, you know, some fool to fight Gustafson on six days' notice, which and somebody might have stepped up if it was for a title. You could have had or an interim title as UFC loves to do these days. But here's the other thing: the co-main event, Chris Cyborg is a draw. Amanda Nunes destroyed Ronda Rousey on her, you know, final fight. So that's marketable right there. You had a marketable co-main event, you know, that would have sold. So now you have a situation where people who are flying as far away as Sweden. You know, it might have been bummed to not see Gustafson on the card, but now are about to see 100% of zero because they can't get to California. Yeah, and people say it's close, like Dre mentioned. It may be close enough in proximity. It is not close monetarily at all. If you go pricing Vegas, even in the holiday season, compared to pricing LA, completely different. It triples the budget you need. At least going there. And the fighters get taxed up to 13%. So money-wise, it's nowhere near close. And that's something the UFC really didn't take into account. And that sh shitty video they put out on Embedded didn't do, any, didn't do them any favors. No, not at all. And, and Dana's just too concerned with the well-being of John Jones. When John Jones doesn't give a damn about the well-being of John Jones. No, not at all. But it, again, it, it just kind of tells you what the UFC cares about. And then, like I posted today, which that's the reason why I checked Twitter is that I don't, I couldn't believe we got so much traction. They, you know, MMA Junkie reported that Dana White said that Kamaru Usman is fighting for a title with or without Tyron Woodley. So you mean to tell me that the world cha the welterweight champion who dusted off your golden child recently, fought four times in a calendar year, but doesn't kowtow to to what you want? is going to get stripped, possibly, because he's been threatening Tyron Woodley of getting stripped for, like, numerous pay-per-views. You're telling me that that's a possibility, yet you're going to keep John Jones, who's a notorious and habitual line-stepper, that he gets to fight for a title? There's a double standard here. And then, again, people will say, well, John's a draw. Prove it. I haven't seen this yet. I, I can, I'm not going to guarantee that Woodley versus Covington is going to do major pay-per-view numbers, but I think it'll do enough. And this yeah. is not this is no fault of Woodley's. Like you guys, the Woodley Till fight, the UFC pretty much promoted Darren Till and not Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley went out there and annihilated Darren Till. 
and he still doesn't get credit. Like I don't I don't understand this logic. And then somebody on my timeline was like, well, at least Dana White proves that he's not racist. I never said he was racist, but I, I he caters to a certain type of person, clearly. I don't know, guys. He he doesn't cater to our type of person. How about that? Um, he just doesn't. I, I don't know why John Jones is different. This is what I can't figure out. Because there's there's no reason to be anti Woodley. He does show up and fight. He gets injured every now and then. But guess what? Even when he gets injured, he's on UFC on Fox or FS1 helping you promote other fights. He's one of your best analysts. He's a great ambassador for the sport. Why don't... There's no reason to dislike him. Why are they in such a rush to strip Cormier? He does the exact same. I, I don't understand it. Why John, for some reason, is treated better than those guys. Are they too good? Like, you, you have to... Kind of give your your badass kid more attention because they're always fucking up and you ignore your straight A student because they're expected to do that. Like that's the UFC's mentality because they seem to favor the Conor McGregor's, uh, the Kobe Connington after the attitude change where he went full MAGA and then now John Jones. And I, again, I, I don't know if it's necessarily catering to John Jones the person more than the idea of John Jones possibly fighting Cormier again or fighting Brock Lesnar and being the light heavyweight champion. I think they enjoy this idea more than they like the reality of the situation. John Jones has cheated. John Jones has cost you a pay-per-view because he wouldn't fight fucking Chael Sonnen on short notice. John, like, John Jones has done things to, to the detriment of the UFC, but he's such a good fighter. And that's one thing none of us can deny. The man can fight. Um, e. Spencer Kite for Sporting News wrote a piece that John Jones is essentially the Barry Bonds of MMA. Like, yeah. even with, without the steroids, Barry Bonds was an MVP. <clears throat> Barry Bonds was a gold glover. Barry Bonds was an all-star. But then once everything got in the system, it ruined his career. Except Barry Bonds, you know, didn't you know, wreck a Bentley with hookers in his car. That's something that's completely different. But John, the idea of John Jones being such a great champion has basically clouded the UFC's vision and, and I don't even know, and I won't put all of the blame on Dana White, I put a lot of the blame on WME as well. Because I feel like they're the ones that also said, he's got to fight in this car. And it's okay to move it. I don't think the Fertitas would have been like, let's move the car. They would have been like, fuck that. We're going to keep it in Vegas, because it's our home. Yeah. We don't want to treat those people wrong. So I blame WME just as much for this. It's a mess. It's a, it's a mess. And I think, and if you look at the UFC's mentions on Twitter and anything that they post, they're getting torn up about this. And I know they have to be thinking this is a bad decision at some point. I don't think they do. Dana White just tweeted out, sold out 10,000 seats in four hours. The entire the venue will be sold out. $300. <laughs> the, the ringside tickets are $300. More importantly, more importantly, what did I say earlier about Twitter? It's a cesspool of facades. You think Dana White really believes that? No. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing about John, too. John's reign, his, John's heyday reign even though he's still a young guy, was a very long time ago. If you look at the people that he beat, Shogun Hua, out of the, retired or, you know, on the way out, Ryan Bader, Bellator, uh, Rampage Jackson, Bellator, Machida, Bellator, nobody's even around from the John Jones, like, run through the ranks. True. Yeah, I mean, it is, I guess the knockout of Cormier is amazing, right? But even failing a test after that, it kind of like put a damper on it. 
And that's that's for all purposes and no contest. I'll remember him kicking him in the head and knocking his ass out. But it, it's a non-contest yeah, but- for all purposes. Oh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, John, there's a lot of the shimmer gone from John. He's only 31. 31, 32. He has plenty of time. Cormier's champion at 39, 40. But what can he do from here on out? Is he clean? That's the first thing. What if he fails the post-fight test with the, with the same amount in his system? What are you going to say? That now he can always just have this amount in his system? Yeah, that's what the UFC will say. Sure he can. Because, like, Usada's a joke. <clears throat> Let's just keep it real. Like, all this drug testing stuff is joke. Because Tom Lawler had something similar happen to him, and we never saw him again. Hey, Tom's fighting in the bars now. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, he's pro wrestling. Tom Lawler's a pro wrestler. He's fighting Shamrock. Yeah, he's wrestling yeah. Shamrock in a bar. In a, in a straight-up bar. But, uh, but it was the same thing. Like, it's double standards. The shit is a joke. I mean, look. They are moving back weigh-ins tomorrow to cater to like everything is 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 can be can be uh, shaped and shifted however the UFC really wants it, like whatever it is. There's nothing that's set in stone. Everything's in pencil. So it's like this type of situation. Like from now on, it's like, damn, do I even buy tickets to a fight? Because they might move the shit. Like this is unprecedented for for fans to say I can't even trust the UFC to keep the fight in the building that they said it's going to promote it in. Forget the card itself. I don't even like. The, the meme of, of John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, like, looking around, that's how people showed up in Vegas this week. Like, where's the fight? It's in L.A. You can't trust the UFC to keep the fight in the same city? Look, man, we all love MMA. We really, like, all of us really do just the, the kinds of MMA. But the UFC has done itself a terrible disservice in 2018. Between this, Greg Hardy, the Trump documentary, which makes absolutely no sense, putting Greg Hardy on the same card as Rachel Ostevich, like, what the fuck is UFC doing? Don't forget the McGregor-Khabib brawl after the fight Jeez, where people were getting slept. Yeah, right. we had a fighter throw a dolly through a bus window, injuring fighters, getting off the car, and he gets rewarded with a record payday and a title fight and gets murdered in the fight. This is the UFC. And then said people are jumping in and out of the octagon to fight in the crowd. Come on, man. They, they talk about boxing as a joke? Yeah. Right, yes. You can't ensure the card, one, the, per, the main event you're going to spend money on and see is going to be on the card. Because you've seen people pull out due to health issues, weight cutting, uh, failed tests, everything. So you can't even ensure that your fight, the fighter you're coming to see is going to be on the card. Like you come to a Holloway fight earlier in the year, he pulls out, you got a ton of Hawaiians seeing who? Seeing Ortega versus, you know, Frankie Edgar now? Like it's, you, you can't ensure that. And, but that's MMA, right? We chalk that up to the game. But now moving the entire card, when you actually get to see the card come to fruition, you might get drop kicked by a professional fighter like Khabib, who's just deciding to fucking come in and try to flying knee someone. Like you, you just can't ensure anything with the UFC right now. They have no stability, no leg to stand on. And sooner or later, they're alienating their base. And once the base goes, you can only have so many mega fights. Sooner or later, you've got to sell consistently, right? I'm not sure if you're alienating their base because their original base didn't consist of people like us. There were a lot of MAGA fans originally as well. So this doesn't turn us off because their their original base can afford to go from Vegas to L.A. probably. Is what well, I'm just saying, like, if, if you haven't been turned off by the UFC yet, I don't know what else they can possibly do. Yeah, it, it seems like this 
sooner or later there has to be a last straw. Sooner does later, there? It, it no. does. Mm-mm. No, there's no such thing as a la- like. What I mean, there needs to be a legitimate murder in the octagon for it to be the last straw. We're yeah. getting to that point. They've done everything to turn off fans. I mean, look, like I said, the Trump documentary, shit. <laughs> like, I mean, the Greg Hardy, for real? Right. I mean, come on. Like, the Dolly incident? All right. Oh, let's move an entire event. Okay, because people are still going to watch this pay-per-view. Yeah. I, I think he's just fucking with us, just to see how much he can go. Like, at this point, it has to be trolling. They just it's keep just, getting worse and worse. It's just lawless, man. It's, it's When you have this much money as an organization and you're trying to appease your audience and you're moving to ESPN because clearly nothing is that bad when you're going to ESPN. So right. if you're going to ESPN, it's like, whatever. They just go out with it 2018 with a bang. Fuck everybody. They've got competition coming, though. That's the thing. Bellator is always in there. One is coming to the, the American market. So <laughs> Ryzen's paying Floyd Mayweather. Well, I mean, I you can't go, see right? it, but regardless, <laughs> people out there spending money. So, uh, yeah, they need to sharpen up. There's other promotions out there, and it's just it's what I always say. Is what happened with the WWE is always a perfect example. Like, sooner or later, they're going to look over their shoulder, and they're going to see a WCW coming, and they're not going to know what to do. And it could be Bellator. It could be one. We don't know when it's going to happen. Lightning happens in a bottle for a lot of these companies. The NWO was lightning in a bottle. Like, Bellator could catch lightning in a bottle. Like, Aaron Peebles would go crazy and just start murdering everybody and become a huge star. And they could find a few others as well. Things could happen. The UFC is doing everything to open the door wider for, to allow another company to come in and be legit competition. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if it happens in 2019, but I know more and more fans are just getting disgusted with how the UFC are handling business. Doesn't mean they're leaving. They just don't like it. Listen, yeah. one, one's events and, and, you know, full disclosure, like I've worked for them before, but one championship from top to bottom has really good events from the hype that the announcers put on it to the, the commentator guys, they've got guys that, that made their mark in the UFC. Your Brandon Veras, they've got Demetrius Johnson now, so they've got some names that they can that they can push. And the and the fights are really good. Yeah, I mean we're gonna get to see Sage Northcutt. We're gonna get to see Eddie Alvarez. Plus, they're they're fighters that are already there. I love their entrances. Yeah, um, it's like pride. It's like the pride era. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a spectacle. So, I mean, Dana White is, is maneuvering himself out of being the Vince McMahon of MMA, where your, your company's so big, no one can touch you. Maybe every now and then a WCW threaten you, you just buy him the hell out, to now becoming top rank. Or one of these boxing promotions where, you know what, you're still really good, but you're about to pull even with people. Like, there's going to be a PBC to steal half the fighters. And people are going to look at you and be like, ah, you guys are damn near even. There's going to be a golden boy. So he's in danger of falling into that ranks, into more of a boxing-style promotion, where, you know what? Bellator isn't second-rate. Everyone's on the same damn page. And you better have the next big star to keep us with you. I mean, Bellator has got, you know, Viacom backing. They could easily one day go from Spike TV or whatever they're on. They're still on Spike. They could go from, from Spike to CBS or some other, you know, highly populated Viacom property. And then it's it's game time for real. Yeah, so Dana needs to watch out. Um that's been our wild ass week, uh, in a nutshell. Now, since it's the last episode of the year, we always give our year end awards. It is time to start those off. Um man, and I for some reason 
I decided to start off with music, and I'm drawing a blank in most of these categories. But um, I, I wrote a couple things down. Let's start off with best album of 2018, and it could be hip hop, R and B, etc. I didn't limit it. Um, I'll give my best album. The more I sat down and thought about it, um, I'll have to go Travis Scott, Astro World, my best album of the year. Okay, Kel. I mean, I, I have wild replay value with that. I really enjoyed that album. Don't laugh at me. The guy's on the tour everywhere right now. Like, I'm not the only one that enjoyed it. I don't, I'm sorry, man. It's, it's a good album. No, it's like, a good album. I'm not going to lie. Bold face laughed at me. Like, I chose an album. Like, I chose Lil Pump. I didn't choose Lil Pump. It is all right. It's not what I expected from you, but it's okay. It's all not right? Devin Kel. <laughs> it's not it's not a goddamn kill moment it's just not what i expected because <laughs> in my head i was like it's gonna be some bullshit it's gonna be some bullshit it wasn't total bullshit it just wasn't what i was expecting World was a good album i it's not my album anthony what's yours um the only album i've had on replay there have been two this was a toss-up i almost went with uh royce the five nine but the one album i've had on replay since it dropped was the her album her album is really good. That album is really good. Um, mine is a three-way tie, it, it, and I just kind of posted this on Twitter because I've been it's going back and forth with you. Always. It is. Well, no, it's not. That's a lie. Every year we've done this, you've tied in some That's way, form, bullshit. or fashion. Last year it was Kendrick. It was oh, damn. Okay. It wasn't me. even close. Excuse me. Yes, except when Kendrick breaks the tie, you are correct. Continue. And then, wait, a, a couple years ago was something else, so it wasn't a tie. It was Kendrick again a couple years ago. It's a pimple butterfly. Nah, because that wasn't, they went back to back years. Nice try. No, that was this, our first year. This is our fourth year doing this. Yeah, so what was the second year then? Second year was a tie with something because Kendrick didn't drop. You're just making shit up now. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen. Because <laughs> I've, str- like, I've struggled with this because it's between Royce, Fonte, uh, No News is Good News, and Saba's Care for Me. I've talked about Care for Me since it came out, I think, back in March. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my favorite album. I have to go back and listen to, to, uh, uh, Book of Ryan and No News is Good News again, but I just listened to Saba's album this morning. Care for Me is like, like, I, I, yeah, it's my favorite album this year. I'm, I'm gonna stick with Care for Me. It's, it's a phenomenally sequenced album at that. And if you haven't listened to it, you guys should. It's just, it's just, it's great. It's a great album. Um, but I'm not mad at the her pick because hers album is really good. The album is really dope, and you know, Royce is and will always be one of my favorite rappers. Um, Book of Ryan gave me what I really wanted, that introspective look at, at Royce. So, yeah, no, I, I can't so, okay, disagree so, with wait, that. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. I'm not going to let you go with this Astroworld shit. Um, mm-hmm. Why Why is this? Why is that your favorite album? There's a lot of music. Like, it's bullshit that 2018 is the best year of music ever. But why <laughs> of all the albums is this one your favorite? I think the, the album itself, like, just the, the vibe and the wave to the album. Like, you talk about sequencing. I thought the album had a really good pace from start to finish. I, I throw it on. I don't skip anything. I, I can go through and and even to a point where it's not like, yo, I want to listen to the Drake track today. Or I want to, no, like I'll listen to it all the way through. Royce's album, I'll go in and I'll say, okay, I feel like listening to this today. Or just this song. And then let me go back and listen to old Royce. You know, mm-hmm. let me let me throw on Death is Certain. Um the Fonte album, like, you know, you go back and be like, oh, this reminds me of this album by them. 
I, I don't do that with Travis Scott. Like, I, I listen to this. I don't go throw on old Travis Scott. Like, I'm completely just really into this album. Maybe that's because I I liked those other guys before. You know, maybe this is the first time I've really liked Travis Scott. So I really just want to listen to this album all the way through. This album pretty much made me a good fan of Travis Scott. I, I've seen him perform. My best friend really likes him. His performances. I thought that was dope. But this album, I was like, okay, I'll be a fan of Travis Scott. Um, I couldn't say that before. I'm not rushing back to listen to his old shit. And maybe that diminishes the other albums for me. I don't know. But, it, you know, listening to Royce, I'll get, you know, five, six tracks deep and then throw on you know, some old school Royce. I'll go back to MIC Mixtape or some shit. It makes me want to listen to his entire catalog. This album is just very, very in tune with. That's fair. Um, like, I won't give you shit about that. That's an okay. It's okay for you. You know, one album that I didn't initially like that crept into my top was Pusha T's Daytona. I like revisited it after a few weeks, and I was like, "Man, this album's really good." I don't know really why. I would... Kanye yeah. fucked up the only part of it. Like the only bad part is Kanye's part. Yeah, like like Pusha had a really good album this year. No Name. I don't know if you guys listen to No Name's album. Um, yeah. Her album Room Twenty Five is really good. Um, it was a good year for music. Like I don't think there's too many wrong choices. Um, there was some really good R and B albums, of course, and the Her album. Um, I'm glad nobody picked Car- Cardi B as her album of the year. It was an enjoyable album, but just for it to be Grammy nominee is kind of ridiculous to me, but I get it. I mean, the best rap album of the year, let alone album of the year overall. That's yeah. true. I mean, but you're also writing about who for the Grammys, Dre? Post Malone. All right, then. So that's what we're, you say all you need to know about the climate of best album of the year right now. So, um, next category for us, though, hottest artist of 2018, which is different than best album. I don't even know what this means. So, I so guess like, have, okay. the, so we did it last year, but last year we actually did a, who was the hottest artist this year, and we predicted who'd be the hottest artist following year. Obviously, Kendrick was pretty resoundingly the hottest artist of 2017. He drove everything. Like, Cardi has a case of being the hottest artist of 2018. My hottest artist of 2018 is someone who didn't drop any, like a solo album, but that was just buzzing all the way through and built anticipation for his next album. My hottest artist is J. Cole, because he just came through and murdered everyone's, everyone's records. So, I mean, you look at the joint with him and Rhapsody, it had me super hyped. And I was like, well, I just want a whole J. Cole and Ninth Wonder album. Like, can I just get that? And he's just continued it on everyone's tracks. I think J. Cole is the hottest artist of 2018, and he's rolling that into 2019. This is a weird category because it's like it's more yeah. fact based than it is opinion based. Because <laughs> it's like, because the hottest artist of 2018 is Cardi B. Like, it's. Which is fair. I, like, which, <laughs> I, I mean, I, but it's like, it's not my hottest artist, it's just the hottest artist. Like, she, she's nominated for Grammys. She came from Love and Hip Hop and had a number one album and still has singles and is everywhere. So it's, it's a weird category, Kel. I like it because I get you out of the box of just picking, you know, shit Dre likes. That's the but, fucking point of your endless. No, I got I to gotta set traps for you so you can actually pick some mainstream people for shit. But nonetheless, I, 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 that's what I meant by the category. It's okay. okay to just say Cardi B. No, right. it's not. 
<laughs> because there's another category that she better fits in from the rundown, but we'll get to that later. All right. So let's go. We'll save AJ's for the later Cardi B pick. Um, best fighter. I'm assuming she doesn't fit this, even though you know she she was known to get to get busy. She got hit in the head. Wasn't her proudest moment. Best fighter though, UFC this Wait, year. Kel, who was your hottest artist? In, or you had Colt? I had yeah. Colt. Yeah, off of straight features alone. Um, best fighter 2018. Damn, you gonna you you gonna let AJ answer his? Oh shit, AJ, who do you have? I thought you I thought he was double picking. Damn, son. <clears throat> I'm going with since there is another artist category. I'm going with uh, Beyonce this year, hottest artist. Stadium tour destroyed Coachella. Still kind of shaping the culture without dropping music. She is in a lane of of her own. Hmm. That's I'm not mad pick. at that. Coachella wait, wait. was, was buzzing. You know what? I totally forgot Coachella was even this year. Me too. That's, I can't, how I can't shit happening. That's how much stuff has happened that I totally forgot. But yeah. yeah. But, but nobody else talked about anything that happened at Coachella other than that performance. No, bro, I feel, people were calling that the best performance they've ever seen with their two eyes. People were crying. So, I mean, that yeah, that's, I'll give you that. Beyonce did. She seemed to have cooled off. Later in the year, but I feel like that's just because when they get too quiet, you know, stadium. good shit is coming. And and then closed out the year with the performance at a stadium in South Africa. Yeah, and not to mention she had an album with her husband. Yeah, yeah. not mad at that. Not mad at that. Beyonce, hottest artist in 2018. Uh, I almost harder since they, they did drop an album, but that really wouldn't be fair. <laughs> yeah, no power coupling it. Um, best fighter then of 2018, and we have UFC and boxing. We'll start off with UFC. Uh, I'll give mine first. It's pretty easy for me. Daniel Cormier, best fighter this year. MMA. I, uh, you can expand it outside of UFC. So MMA, Daniel Cormier is my pick. It is self-explanatory. I don't think there's much debate. The only person who can come close, which would more so be a breakthrough fighter of the year, is Israel Adesanya. But yeah, Cormier, Cormier being a dual champ and kind of... And, Killing Steve Miocic and then going out there and do, doing this thing as Derek Lewis. It's Daniel Cormier. I don't have another pick in there. Yeah, Cormier. Only other person who might be in the conversation is, is Khabib, maybe, who destroyed the Golden Goose. Yeah, that's true. But then he kind of fucked it up and lost all momentum. Yeah. Um, so, boxing-wise, best fighter 2018. This was kind of hard for me. Dre, let's let you start off. No, I'm not letting you off the hook. You always start. These are your categories. You had time to think about them. <laughs> um, it was tough for me. I picked a fighter who fought three times. Uh, Alexander Usyk is my fighter of the year. Three times. The last one just murdered a guy and put himself into the top five pound for pound. Every bit as good as my fighter of the year last year, Lomachenko, just in a different weight class. Um, and he could damn near top this list again if... You know, we get if he moves up to heavyweight and he can entice some of the better heavyweights. Um, if Andre Ward comes out of retirement and he proves to best Andre Ward, he could be there next year, too. But I, I think he's my number one fighter for 2018. I mean, it's pretty easy. It's Alexander Usyk. Um, I don't think anybody comes close. Uh, Usyk won the, you know, I mean, knocking out Tony Bellew at heavyweight was a cherry on top. But, you know, Murat Gassiev, he destroyed him. I mean, Usyk is a guy who is Olympian, who made cruiserweights credible again, who is now a heavyweight, who is probably one of the best. He's easily one of the best boxers on the planet. He just had a chance to prove it this year. So, 
Yeah, Alexander Usyk, the only person that comes close. Mo Hooker had a great year. Lomachenko had a great year. Crawford had a great year. But and even Canelo had a great year, um, beating Golovkin. But he, you know, a lot of people don't think he beat him. So it is what it is. Alexander Usyk is the uh, my boxer of the year. AJ, up next. Uh, Dre, me and you are agreeing way too much, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, not on Travis Scott though. So you can have that one. All right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Boxing, not super my forte. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a boxer of the year pick. Okay, um, Canelo was almost my boxer of the year pick, but then my two eyes saw that his ass didn't beat Golovkin the first time. So, whatever. I could I couldn't go with that. Um, best wrestler, and I broke this down into three categories because it wasn't fair to have it as one category. So we can uh, kind of go a little quicker through these. But best independent wrestler of the year, Dre's going to make me go first again, of course. Yeah. Um, mine is Jeff Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb, my wrestler, independent wrestler of the year. Uh, just barnstorming through promotions, collecting titles. Um, we we saw him last year, and he was in Bola, um, with Ricochet, and ended up losing that one to Ricochet when he you know became a double winner of Bola, and then from there on, he was just on fire. And then he was in the New Japan Tag League, which means he's probably going to tear up G One this year. I think Jeff Cobb is the indie fighter of the year. And yes, I wasn't picking Cody Rhodes. Um, does Kenny Omega not count in this category? He right. does. He does. I think he had a. Uh, so he was my pick last year, but I don't, thought his twenty eight was a little cooler than twenty. But he had the greatest match I've probably ever seen. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think Jeff Cobb was on fire. He caught fire. So, all right, this is wild. So you're picking Jeff Cobb over Kenny Omega, who had. What you just said, the greatest match you've ever seen out of two guys, who also had a phenomenal match with the Young Bucks and Golden Lovers, yeah, who no, also no. had a phenomenal match with Pentagon, who also had a phenomenal, like with Ken, with uh, Chris Jericho. You're picking Jeff Cobb over Kenny Omega? Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound very great when you list it out like that. But yeah, I feel like a lot of those were within like a three month span. So yes, I am. I'm sticking by it. He had a good G1 match, but I, I feel like all of that happened between January and April. Where, where Dominion might have been the last one. Yeah. So was that May? Um, no. I mean, we're, no, going, we're going from January to October. Like, we're talking about a string of matches that went through the summer. Like, I think Kenny Omega's been... And, and look, and it, you can even argue that Kenny Omega's not your wrestler of the year. I just can't see how you pick Jeff Cobb even over Will Ospreay. Or, I think Jeff Cobb had a brother year than Ospreay. I think Osprey set up this next year to have an incredible year. You're um, nuts. Osprey, Osprey's 2018 was ridiculous. And now he's about to compete against Kota Ibushi for the never open weight title at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, like, yeah. I think his 2019 is, is through the roof. Um, all right. I think I, I like Jeff Cobb more this past year than Osprey. Okay. So what's your favorite Jeff Cobb match? Uh, over the past year, I'd say my favorite Jeff Cobb match was... This latest ROH one, um, what is the black dude's name? I forgot the black dude's name. You don't even um, remember who he wrestled. All no, right. I, I forgot the black dude's name. That's not fair. <laughs> it is fair. You picked him. No, I remember Jeff Cobb in the match. I just need the black Shane, dude's name. Shane Taylor, Jonathan Gresham. like John Gresham. Thank you. Um, and Hangman Page with Jeff Cobb, which just happened a while ago. Um, I thought that was a really good match when he won that one. Uh, he also fought Punishment Martinez this year with a really good match. So I think Jeff Cobb had a, a couple good matches this year. So 
I'm, 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 I'll leave you alone after this. So we had Kenny Omega versus Kazushi Okada. We had the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers. Mm-hmm. We had Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii on Ooh. day 14 of G1. That was fine. I can't be mad at Kenny that. Omega versus maybe Kodo. Omega just maybe I just got burnt out on Omega when I was making the list. Like I, I completely overskip and I knew all the matches. We'll see as we get deeper into this list how many Kenny Omega matches I actually chose for shit. But and, and I mean. I okay. feel like, you know, it, I might be like all other wrestling fans. I'm not, you know, burying Kenny Omega like some people do on Twitter and saying like, oh, he, he's overrated this year. He had a horrible year. No, that's not the truth at all. But maybe I just had like Omega fatigue. He's just been so good that I was okay. like, oh, yeah. let me let me pick someone else. But no, I mean, yeah, I mean when, you, when you come okay, down to okay. it, you we'll, we'll leave Again, we'll leave Kenny Omega alone. He <laughs> had a better year than Gargano and Ciampa? Jeff Cobb? Yeah, I mean, Ciampa was really... I, Champa better year than Gargano. Champa and Gargano. To me, it just the the story ran its course. Wait, 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 wait! But Gargano wrestled Cien Almas at the beginning yeah. in a classic. That was that was a good. I was match. I was there for that. We talked about that a little bit. And, and your and your best match from Jeff Cobb was against a black guy. You don't remember his name, and <laughs> you're picking him. Oh, <laughs> well, the black guy! Jeff. I didn't remember his name. Come I remember on, Jeff Cobb's on. performance. Come on, man! Like Johnny Gargano against Almas is is already in the pantheon of the one of the greatest NXT, if not the greatest NXT takeover match of all time. No, I, I give you that. That was great. Um, no, I thought Jeff Cobb was just on fire this year. I did. I liked all of his matches. Like, so it, you, like, I didn't think so he had necessarily a bad match all year. And I think Gargano sometimes, yes, like, I, I got tired of the feud. I see him every week, too. So, the, yes, that might hurt him. He's on daily week, you know, daily television or weekly okay. television on the network. Yes. Okay. Like, I, I didn't. Last April seemed so fucking long ago. Like, it just really does. It seemed like a whole it's different the year. entire year. I'm not asking your favorite wrestler the last three months. You, you I, asked the I understand. Year. It seems a little longer ago. So maybe like, Jeff Cobb was a bit short-sighted. Like, because I'm just saying, you know, you know, Gargano also wrestled Alistair Black. That was pretty good. Was, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, Ciampa also wrestled Velveteen Dream. It's not like that was really good. Gargano. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. And you picked Jeff Cobb. Yes. So, all right, you can have it. You're wrong. And, I mean, you didn't pick Jeez. Becky Lynch. Who had two probably two of this the is the indies and I'm, I'm sorry I'm, you're right you're right you're right indies and neither right. of those okay. guys count because we have a separate nxt category but Fine. continue so omega and bushi hell like <laughs> yeah oh bushi's having a hell of a year too yeah so who's your pick as we continue along this list Kenny omega i mean i don't think there's i don't think there's much close competition for will osprey kenny omega had a phenomenal year and i hate that we have to call the new japan the indies but i guess it's the only way we can really qualify it um but yeah kenny omega he's like the wrestler of the year like i don't i know people are trying to say kenny omega had a down year but if i go from averaging 39 points to 35 and i'm still leading the league in points per game i'm still the player of the year so fuck it kenny omega (laughs) that's true aj who you got Kenny Omega, best bout machine from from January to the end of the year was consistent, whether it was singles matches, uh, G1 tag matches with Golden Lovers. Like you hard, you're hard pressed to find a bad Kenny Omega match. No, that's very true. A lot more tag team matches this year as well. Um, yeah, except the G1 Omega. when he wrestled like 16 matches. But all right, yeah, maybe I had Omega fatigue. Fuck, you know that happens. Um, Next up, 205 Live at NXT, lumped them together. Wrestler of the Year. Johnny Gargano. Woo! You know what? It's that really close. I, I almost said Mustafa Ali. 
Ah, Mustafa and that is my pick, Mustafa Ali. Yeah, but I'm even go in with NXT, like lumping them together, Mustafa Ali, um, him versus Cedric Alexander. They had three matches which were really good. Him versus Bernie, Buddy Murphy. Um, their triple threat was insane. And then now seeing what he does, even getting bumped up against Daniel Bryan. Uh, this match last week against Cien Almas was short but good. The the guy just doesn't have bad matches. He's been on fire since Mania. You're, you're right. And I'm not even mad at that pick because I'm picking Gargano because I, I just the Cien Almas match and the way he's closed the year and the, the momentum that he's kept up. I'm picking Gargano. I know the few people are saying they're tired of it, but I, I enjoy the few with, Gar- with uh, Ciampa. However, you're not wrong about Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali just kind of... After the, 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 uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, I was just like, all right, he's just a guy. He's not just a guy. This guy's mm-hmm. really fucking good. Yep. AJ, who you got? Oh, this was tough. Um, man, I thought uh, you had a lot of people with really good years. Velveteen Dream had a good year. Um, Aleister Black had a really good year. Gargano almost had good years. My pick is uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who was hot even coming off of an injury with the classic – you know, jobber, no music, and still got a ton of heat. Uh, and it's carried the title extremely well. I'll give you that. They just booed him. Like, his entrance music was booze. That's the right. best shit ever. Yeah, you can't can't beat that. Um, main roster, wrestler of the year, I, Becky Lynch. It's not even close. Yeah. And, and it's weird because Becky Lynch is, did was almost invisible for the first half of the year. Yeah. But she made up for it. Like, she in a whirlwind. But it also tells you how down the rest of the roster is. Because the rest of the roster had a whole year of people in, like, the main event picture and close. And just the men in w- on the main roster of WWE just haven't really done much of anything. They've just been really up and down. Even AJ Styles, who we all think is arguably one of the best wrestlers on the planet, he just didn't have a, a lot of great feuds. Which is crazy because his two major feuds were Knock and Samoa Joe. Which is, it's absolutely bananas. But here we are. So yeah, Becky Lynch turned the corner, um, became a god after getting busted open by Nia Jax. I hope they find a way to resolve all that. But yeah, it's Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, easy. All right, clean sweep for Becky. Um, We're going now, flipping the script, best fight of the year, UFC. Um, I'm coming through, and again, I feel like there might have been a fight I missed like earlier in the year. Um, but one that sticks out in my mind, I had to go with it. Korean Zombie versus Yaya Rodriguez, my I, UFC I, fight of the year. I don't think there's much competition there. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I feel like I was forgetting something, but I was like, yo, it, it doesn't stick in my mind like this fight does. Nah, look, there. I'll tell you the other, other fights that are in this running, because I've been doing our year on list for Sporting News. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, which was excellent. Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero, where they damn near killed each other in the, I think it was the third round. Um, Michael Johnson, Darren Elkins, where Elkins came back. Dustin Poirier and Ellie Alvarez. Uh, Jermaine Stevens, I mean, Jeremy Stevens and uh, 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 Duhu Choi. And DJ and Cejudo. None of them come close to Yair and what Chainsaw Jung did on that night. Oh, Choi that versus was, Stevens was amazing. I didn't even remember that. This was, that was this calendar year. Yeah, but... <sighs> Yair Rodriguez and Chan Sun Jung, like, that was ridiculous. And I watched it again. It's the greatest knockout I've ever seen. <laughs> Yo, it really, in MMA, it in really MMA, is. It's the great, it's the greatest. <laughs> dude, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a move that nobody's ever seen happen. Knock somebody out with one second left in a fight they are losing. 
It's the greatest knockout I've ever seen in MMA history. With a blind elbow. AJ, what you got? Uh, same, Ben Rodriguez and, and, and Jung. I've seen, yeah, the one-second knockout. I've only I've seen a five-second left knockout a long time ago. Um, yeah, but those, like, last-minute kind of buzzer-beater knockouts, like, you can't, after an already great fight, like, you can't beat that. Yeah, um, boxing-wise, boxing, I, it's kind of weird for me to go through. Uh, also, again, it's recent. It just stuck out in my mind. Wilder versus Fury. I like the Evan Flows. I like that, you know, Fury, we damn near thought Fury was out of there and he rose from the den like the Undertaker. And then the draw was like perfect for me. We get to see it again. So that's my uh, boxing match of the year. Not mine. Um, not even close, actually. I went back and watched the fight. Wasn't that good. It was, it was a great finish, but the fight wasn't all that exciting. It was a lot of tension, but yeah. it wasn't all that great. Uh, my fight of the year is uh, Jared Hurd versus Arisandi Lara. Um, I was ringside for that fight. It was it was a fight that made, I mean, first of all, it's Arisandi Lara, who never has an exciting fight, but had a sparring <laughs> with, with Jared Hurd. And Hurd scored that 12th round knockdown to end up sealing him the victory. Um, that's my fight of the year. The other fight that came close uh, was, what was it? Uh, a lot of people didn't see it. Uh, Gassiev versus uh, Dortikos in the uh, World Boxing Super Series, which was ridiculous. But... And the Sosedo and Zappavinga fight was had a crazy round as well. But Hurd versus Lara is my fight of the year. I think I was next to you for that fight. Hurd uh, versus Lara? I yeah. Was, that's when uh, I was sitting next to Dan Raphael and he got splashed with blood. And we like got a kick out of that shit because he got bloody. <laughs> yeah, you're bucked. Uh, AJ, we will politely, politely uh, skip over this unless you have a boxing match. No, I really enjoyed uh, Wilder Fury. See, I thought so too, but in the moment, maybe I, I get once again watching shit in the moment and with Twitter and everything else usually build stuff for me as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's and it's fair because I mean at ringside I was losing my mind over that shit, but you know I watched it again and I was like, and I was I was like reviewing fights of the year and I was like, yeah, they was just caught in the moment at that fight, but it was a hell of a moment. It, yeah. was, it was one of the most spectacular moments that we've seen in heavyweight boxing in recent memory. But uh, so it's fair to have that fight. I just it's not my pick. Yeah, and that's heavyweight boxing in a nutshell. Like, that's what makes it so great is that tension. Yeah. Is that in-the-moment feel. So, uh, yeah, definitely what I got from that. Um, best match of the year. We'll go through the same thing. Three main categories like we had before. Uh, best indie match of the year. I don't even think this shit is close. Uh, Okada Omega 4 at Dominion. <clears throat> yeah, there's... <laughs> I think... Yeah. I don't think anybody's got to explain this. No, it's the best match I've ever seen with my two eyes. People that have been this is again the reason why I hate Twitter. People have been like saying I've saw people say that uh, Ali and Murphy was a better match than this. No, I've seen people no. say some wild shit because That's a I good ass like, match. No, it it is, but it's not better than this. <laughs> and it's like I, I think people get caught in the moment of not wanting to like something. Like, why don't you want to like something? Why do you want to be? you know, just on the other side of history. Why do you want to just sit there and say, nah, it wasn't that good? You're lying. The match was good. You just deprogrammed yourself to hate it for whatever reason. That is the match of the year. It's probably the match of the decade. It could be the match of the century. That match was excellent. Listen, getting to see that live was... Like, it's one thing to avoid the spoilers and watch later. Like, quite another thing. Like, I got up at, you know, four four or five o'clock or whatever it was on the East Coast and, and watched that joint live, and it was amazing. Yeah, that show was nuts. So that's easily best match of the year. 
in general, but we have other categories. Uh, NXT and 205 Live um, category, match of the year. Oh, man. I, I pulled a Dre, and I had three different ones. Um, I'll narrow it down somehow. But my three were uh, Almas versus Gargano, Ricochet versus Cole. I really liked their one-on-one -on -one match. And then I had the 205 Live triple threat um, for the title, Alexander, Murphy, and Ali. But I'm going to go with Almas versus Gargano over the other two. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Um, I watched that match again because you really, there were so many points in that match where you're like, I think Gargano's going to win this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I love matches where the story doesn't really matter because it doesn't tip your hat on who's winning. And both guys were just really hot, and it just turned out to be an excellent match. And the fact that uh, Almas won clean as the heel made it even better. Yeah, AJ? No arguments from me there. Uh, Almas Gargano was my pick of the year. I actually went out, to, I rode out to Philly to watch that one and to see that one in person. Like, all the, the false finishes. By the time that got done, it felt like people in the crowd felt like they had been in the match. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Um, WWE main roster, match of the year. Mm. This one was fairly easy <laughs> for me to pick. Yeah, this is easy for me. Yeah, uh, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair, last woman standing. My match of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, not there's much else, straight. Yeah. No, there's really not. It, it's really that or the triple, the three-way ladder match or what? Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar, which a lot of people liked. And I'm just like, what? I was surprised. That, I was surprised at that one. Yeah, it was yeah. a good match. It, and then there was... I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, really, it's really it. But Becky and Charlotte, I mean... As a person who has said numerous times I hate last man standing matches, that just changed everything. That was an excellent match. Yeah. That's my match of the year, too. AJ? I'm going with uh, TLC main event. Oscar, Becky Lynch, um, Charlotte Flair. Okay. See, that those to me might be the best two matches of the year. Yeah, yeah, high spots, level of, of, of violence, not something that we typically see with the women. Like, a lot of just craziness. Nice setups going into to Mania season. Kept everybody looking really strong as well. Like, there were really, really no losers in that match. Yeah, and they almost killed Charlotte several times. Yeah, she almost killed herself several times. I mean, that, that moonsault might have to go. Dog. Yeah. They got somebody has to catch her. Like, no, no, no one's big I, enough. You're, she's moonsaulting into a sea of five foot three women. I'm just saying, if you're the agent for the match, sooner or later somebody's gonna say, "Look, you're either gonna catch her or Charlotte. You can't do that shit." <laughs> One of two things has to happen. Yeah, because certain knees are gonna explode. Like if anybody remembers, like Gallagher when we used to hit the watermelons with the mallet and shit, like and they used to explode. It's gonna be her knees. Her knees can't take that. That's yeah, ridiculous. All bad. Um... Okay, so we agree again. It's pretty easy, like, when you get to these main roster matches. Um, best KO of the year. And this is, I mean, my UFC one. It's the same match. Yair Rodriguez, just blind elbow. Like, yeah. I don't even, I don't think, I, I just said it was the best knockout I've ever seen. So, that's my pick. Same. In um, boxing, and it was hard for me to remember all the boxing knockouts. Um Again, this year just seems like a blur. So much happened this year. I felt like this shit went by in a blink. 
but so much happened early in the year. So maybe I am forgetting something, but uh, this happened very recent. I didn't even see this live. I talked to you, Dre, and you were like, yo, it was, it was horrific. And I went back and watched it. It's when Adonis Stevenson got knocked out uh, by Vostick. Um, yeah, that shit was ugly. And now we know the aftermath of it, so it's kind of horrible. But the knockout itself, I, I think, serves as one of the best knockouts of the year. Um, yeah, so that, that has to go up there. I couldn't remember if Deontay Wilder knocking out Stavern was this year. No. No? He, so, knocked, yeah, no. he knocked out Luis Ortiz this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. So that's not up there for me. Um, it, it was nice, but it wasn't knockout of the year. So, yeah, I have to go with that knockout as my number one. Well, my pick, and you'll have to probably YouTube it, is Alexander Povekin murdering David Price in the fifth round. <coughs> oh, uh, God. Go find it. If you haven't seen it, go YouTube it. Uh, Povekin, David Price. Um, and my runner-up, which is close, is Dillian White destroying Lucas Brown. Two Brits. Uh, I remember two that one. Yeah, Dillian White murdering Lucas Brown was there. And then if you're looking for a stateside guy, look at uh, Jamal Charlo knocking out Hugo Centennial Jr. in the second round and in a fight that – he was supposed to win, but he destroyed him. I think it was like a left uppercut. Um, but yeah, Pavekin killing David Price was a knockout of the year. Ooh, I'm watching that now. Caught him on the button. Yeah, yeah that wasn't that wasn't even close. And and David Price is like six nine, so it was, it's a long way down. <laughs> he fell in slow mo. That's crazy. I watched him full speed. He fell in slow mo. Uh, AJ, anything for no, not for boxing. Yeah, that shit was kind of hard too. Like to go through and look through everything. Um, all right, breakout star of 2018, uh, UFC will go to. Breakout star of 2018 for the UFC, I'm going to have to start this again. <laughs> Israel Adesanya is my breakout star of 2018. There's, there's really no discussion here. We all know it. Yeah, he pissed on the cage, man. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is great. So, Dre, AJ, are you in the same boat? Yeah, it's not even close. The only person who... Would have been, or who would have taken it, had Derek Lewis pulled off the upset of the the century and beat Daniel Cormier, he'd be the hands down fighter of the year. But oh, yeah, but no, yeah, <laughs> it didn't happen. And the, I mean, the 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 the, third, the other person that could have been on this list was for Israel Adesanya is Aaron Pico. If anybody, and I know you put UFC, but I but think MMA, kinda, yeah, 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 MMA. I was about to say that too. Bellator has Aaron Pico, who's took that first loss, shrugged that shit off, and has been a monster. Like he's he mowed down three people, two of them two of them were body shots or three, can't remember. But yeah, Pico, I got to watch Pico live at the last Bellator event. He, the kid's the truth. Um, he's gonna put this, the company on his back. But Adesanya, you know what he did to Derek Brunson was just savage. Yeah, and now we get to see him uh, against the legend Anderson Silva. So that's gonna yeah. be quite interesting. Him his last rights. Goodbye, Anderson. <laughs> um, boxing breakout star of twenty eighteen. Uh, you can go first. I will always go first. Um, mine is, and I know he's been around, been a champion. I don't care. Tyson Fury. I, I think the world now knows about Tyson Fury. I That's think not really break out to Come me. On. He became a household name. I, yeah, I, I think he's a mainstream name now. I, I think that fight put Tyson Fury, especially from what he went through, where he was, the the overcoming, the story, the everything else, the the drugs, the four hundred pounds. He was gone, like comeback fighter of the year, breakout fighter, everything. Give him all that shit. He deserves all of it. He he was the breakout star of 2018 in boxing. Now we're talking Tyson Fury's the best heavyweight on the planet. 
I'm not. But a lot of people okay. are like, okay, he outclasses Wilder. Joshua doesn't hit as hard. People think he could beat Joshua. That put him number one. Like I, I think he's worked himself into that realm. It's not beyond yeah. belief. I think no, Tyson Fury's the you know the breakout star of 2018 in boxing. Okay, well. I'm, I'm a look, I, I look at tend to look at younger fighters, prospects, guys on the come up for breakthrough fighters. He's only thirty, um, or he's not even. I'm, right. yeah, but I'm looking like like there's three. There's Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, and uh, who am I forgetting? Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, and Ryan Garcia. Um, those are the three young talents. I'm picking Teofimo Lopez. If anybody over Haney, the, yes, I'm a huge Haney fan. I, I like Haney too, but with Teofimo Lopez, his personality, his ability. I mean, the knockout he had on the Lomachenko undercard was on ESPN highlights. Um, and he's about to open up 2019. Like, this kid is – and he trains out here in Vegas. He's a Vegas kid. You can go to his gym anytime. Uh, we're, we're probably going to do a documentary on him because this kid is serious. Uh, and I think he, a lot of people had him on the list 2018. I think Kevin Ioli did. But – He's torn through two thousand. I mean, two thousand seventeen. He's torn through two thousand eighteen. He's got the talent. He's got the goods. Yeah, Haney's a very popular pick as well. The guy, you know, he's promoting himself, which is crazy. Um, and he's an excellent talent. But yeah, I'm picking Teofimo Lopez. Not mad at that. Twenty one. I mean, like you said, I, I really first saw him on that Loma undercard. I was like, yo, this kid's a beast. And then I read back, and I was like, oh, he's been on the radar for a while. Like, yeah. a lot of people have had their eyes on him. Then I was like, okay. I remember watching, like, that Olympics because my grandmother was watching boxing in the Olympics. I despise Olympic boxing. But I watched it because she was watching it. And I remember seeing him. And I was like, okay. So it's cool to, like, follow people and be like, oh, that's where they came from. So uh, to me, he's a better he's better fit for the pro boxing than he was in Olympic boxing. So, no, I am excited. I got to go check out his gym um, yeah. sometime soon. We'll go to wrestling then. For uh, AJ, we'll skip over that. Uh, wrestling. Breakout Star 2018 for indie wrestling. Ooh. Um, yeah, shit. Uh, and I, I've been pretty adamant about this. Like, people say what they want. Uh, I think Hangman Page is my breakout star 2018. I, I didn't even like him going into this year. I thought he was going to be like the whipping boy for the Bullet Club for them to just have an excuse to lose matches. So just throw him in every, you know, triple threat or you know, three-man tag and have him take the pin. And then he came on and just tore it up in some, you know, no DQ matches and everything else. And, and ending the year, um, it's some really good matches in ROH and everything. I would have loved to see him continue in ROH and see where he could go. Seems like they're taking their talents elsewhere. But I think Hangman Page was a breakout star in 2018. Definitely most improved, but I'll give him my breakout star. Um, this is tough for me because, uh, like, I agree with Hangman Page, but then when you take into consideration of what a wrestler is and, like, all the qualities, you kind of got to put Cody on this list. Yeah. Because all in. Boring matches aside, but I, I agree. Some I'm just stuff, saying. Some I mean, stuff overweighs that. When we talk about breakthrough, we're talking about a guy who was in virtual purgatory in the WWE. Yeah. Asked for his release started his career anew and has basically become the arguably the biggest star in the indie scene in 2018 from all in to being involved like winning the nwa title to being the few with kenny omega yeah the more i think about it it's, it's cody yeah, it's, now, it's cody just because everything he's accomplished now being the elite everything else uh about to start his own promotion damn near it seems like so yeah can't knock that aj 
Yeah, had Cody not been here, it'd have been a toss-up for me between probably Jay White, Hangman Page, and probably Zack Saber Jr. Um, but Cody's in a class of his own right now, from ROH six-man titles with uh, the Bucks to winning the NWA title at All In, Kenny Omega feud that stretched you know over a year. Um, what else happened? Uh, I mean, the deal I, with Hot Topic. How about that? Yeah, shirt and hot topic. New Japan uh, U.S. title. Funkos. I'm looking at his Funko right now. But Cody Coach <laughs> Funko sitting above my desk. I mean, this is ridiculous what he's accomplished in 2018. No, I, I agree. I mean, at, boring matches aside, every now and then, the guy is just business savvy. He He has that acumen. It's like in his blood, and no one can deny that, right? Like, he is wrestling. And he's noticed, like, you know what? I have a lot of worth. These other people have a lot of worth. Let's go test that. WWE will always be there, right? Like, if, if this shit yeah. flames out and the company doesn't work, he go to WWE in four years and he'll be a god. It doesn't even matter. He's like, so you know what? Let's roll sure. the... Yeah, so what? Then he's like, okay. But if he goes back, he's going to be hot still for a second until yeah. Vince gives yeah. him no program. Like, it's now like the hardy. Yeah, like, roll the dice. Why not? Yeah. yeah. He, he was on a reality show. Yeah, he was. Okay, too. So, uh, yeah, like a real, like a VH1 one, right? Yeah, he's on. Oh, Brandy was on Wag, so like he was on there by default. Yeah, so like normal ass people know Cody Rhodes now. So look at that. Um, so I'm not mad at that pick at all. We're gonna go WWE. Oh wait, we didn't do. I guess 205 Live and NXT, but to me that's all the same. Like that's my pick from earlier, Mustafa Ali. So yeah. I mean, the breakout star is the best wrestler that happened to be there. Um, Ricochet is a close second for me, though. Can't leave Ricochet off of my list entirely for 2018. He, no, he is a champ. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Mustafa. I don't think he's even close. It's a guy who wasn't on a lot of people's radars in 2017 and came through and just tore the doors off everything in 2018. He was like the reason why, between him and Buddy Murphy, who I can also put on this list, because Buddy was a guy who was just a cast-off. Of the yeah. NXT tag team that was really a platform for Alexa Bliss. Both of those guys should have been out of here. And uh, Buddy Murphy came to 205 and came to shit. Like it was him and Mustafa were the reason I started watching it. Yeah. Cedric being champion, holding it down for a second. They they did right by 205 Live. Like I've liked it, you know, since Mania and a little bit before, since they ditched the whole Enzo thing. And, you know, they, they really handled it well. Um, you know, Murphy, same thing, like just doing the weight cuts every week where he has to make 205 live, like 205 on a scale because he's so damn big. And like one week he'll miss it and he'll be struggling. He's like, fuck. Like that was a cool storyline. So uh, I've liked what they've done with most talent down there. Probably a Tommy aside. And yeah. I, I think they're going in a good direction. Um, main roster breakout star of Wait, 2018. Damn, you going to let AJ answer? Oh, yeah. shit. I thought AJ gave that one. Go ahead. Look, man, you, you invite the guest to show up, and then you don't let the guest be a guest. AJ, listen. Yeah, I'm going, I, I'm, going NXT, I'm going NXT here. Velveteen Dream. Like, I think a lot of people are really starting to see just how good the dream is. And you look at the had different matches essentially with everybody. Tommaso Ciampa, um, EC3. Yeah, the ladder match. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good pick. I'm not mad at that at all. That kid's a star. 
Yeah, that yeah. this is breakout yeah. star. Yeah, like the the Hulk Hogan themed ring entrances automatically get people to pop. Yeah. The the boxing gimmick, Cassius Oh no. Yeah. yeah, he did like a biggie one in New York. Yeah, he's just on fire right now. He can do no wrong at 23 years old. So that's insane. Um, main roster wise, breakout star at 2018. It, it's also my wrestler of the year, Becky Lynch. It's pretty easy. I, I mean, she's reached atomic levels right now. They just can't mess it up. So far, they haven't messed it up. We'll see how the Rumble goes. And if she has a rematch, if that was just like, oops, I'm just kidding. If she's just in the Rumble, we'll see how that plays out. But right now, her and Ronda has to headline Mania because it's the biggest storyline they have. Yeah, no, I agree with this. I don't think it's it's much even close here. I mean, you could say Ronda Rousey, but uh, with Becky, wow. yeah, Becky's completely overshadowed Ronda, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the attitude change, it, it was everything was handled brilliantly, and she's only taking it to another level. Her social media by itself owns this category. <laughs> It's so true. AJ, agree? The man, you know, to the point of where people are upset, not if she doesn't wrestle, but if she's not even on the program. <laughs> like, you see people on Twitter upset. <laughs> yeah, they. that's what they want right now. That's what they're clamoring for. And she's the must-see attraction. When me and Dre went to SmackDown a couple weeks ago, and he told me, I was like, yeah, I'm down to see the man tonight. Like, that's why I went. And I love the new Dan O'Brien heel turn, but I'm there to see Becky Lynch and what yeah. she's going to do. So she's the draw, and uh, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that they still don't put on posters, that they're still kind of, like, disrespecting her. It adds to the gimmick. So I, I don't want to see a turnaround. I don't want to see her in front. Keep Charlotte in front. Keep Ronda in front. Keep her still having that little thing to chase after, and I think it's working real well. Um, that is pretty much 2018 for us, though. It's been another year of shows. We're heading into our fourth year right now. So, you know, we get to throw up the the horse, the Horseman 4 all year. It's crazy. It's been a long time since I said uh, to pimp a butterfly was not my cup of tea. Wow, you keep doing this to yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what started it all, though. That's the first episode. That's what, you know, kind of got stuff popping. So um, it's been a long time since then. Um, it's been a great ride. It's only going to continue. So, AJ, first and foremost, we want to thank you for joining us on this year-end show. Uh, let the people know where to follow you, though, because social media, if you guys don't know, AJ, you got the beard game on lock, and he says really deep shit on social media, so you guys got to follow. I am uh, at uh, JustAnt84, J-U-S-T-A-N-T-8-4 on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yes, and yeah, don't let the beard blind you, though. Every now and then, you know, he's just tossing in the wind like Fabio's hair. And uh, you look deeper than that. He says really, really cool shit. And Anthony's always, you know, the voice of reason kind of on, on Twitter. I go to him when anything like, especially political, anything like that, he he gives me my information. I'm like, oh, shit, this happened? Oh, Trump is doing some wild shit? Let me see what AJ's saying. So it's a, a an amazing follow on social media. Make sure you guys do that. Um, old man is sick, but hopefully we get him the best of health in, in 2019. And uh, it's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be crazy busy and packed. Um, both of our schedules are packed, but we're going to make time. One thing that we're introducing in 2019, so make sure you guys check it out. It'll be in all of our bios on social media, so make sure you click on it. Uh, we start up a Patreon 
We want to provide more content for you guys and give you guys a chance to directly invest in the podcast. We've always said this podcast is much yours as it is ours. So Patreon gives us that opportunity. You go on there. We'll be putting exclusive content, mini shows each week, interviews. Um, we'll do Q&As on there, which are pretty cool. I'll be doing a fan appreciation episode every month with you guys on there. So go on, check it out. The links will be in our bios. Um, support the show. That's what it comes down to, right? We want to bring more content. We want to get this merch popping. Um, I'm tired of seeing people doing live shows. We're going to get this shit going too. So we're going to do it not just for us, but for all of us. The Corner Club is about to have a really big 2019. And, uh, you know, it, it starts here. So we appreciate all you guys. Follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill. For the end of 2018, we're out. Peace. On the corner.